Bibles, please, and turn with me to Romans in chapter number 12. Romans in chapter number 12 this morning. Beginning in verse number 17 and reading through the end of the chapter. Romans chapter number 12. And verses 17 through 21. Let's stand together, please, out of respect for the word of God. And read with me, if you would, Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. And reading in unison together. Ready? Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible... As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, Verse number 20, I do my best to live that. If thine enemy hunger, uh, feed him. I give him a knuckle sandwich. That's what I do. And I feed him. And uh, that's what my flesh wants to do. Uh, But what's expected of us in this passage is certainly uh, not flesh business. It's spirit business. It's a work of Christ in us and through us. In our text, verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Without your turning to it, may I read you uh, a portion of a few verses. The Bible says in Revelation 2 and verse number 7, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. In the 11th verse. In the 17th verse, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. And will give him a white stone. And in the stone, a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. In verse 21, uh, excuse me, verse 26, he says, And he that overcometh. And keepeth my works unto the end. To him will I give power over the nations. He says in the third chapter, in the fifth verse, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. He says in verse number 12, He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he says in chapter 3 verse 21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. I don't know all those that, that, that those uh, that God is saying, and uh, I don't understand all of those um, uh, all of those commendations, if you will, uh, those promises. But I know this: God wants me to be an overcomer. I know that. Amen. I get that much out of it. <laughs> I know God wants me to be an overcomer, and God wants you to be an overcomer this morning. He that overcometh, he that overcometh. Let's talk about that this morning. Father, we sure love you today. We need you. 
And through the power of thy Holy Spirit, I pray that you would anoint the preaching of the word of God and give to thy people just exactly what we need. May Christ be exalted. May the devil and his plans be thwarted. And may we be victorious in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I want you to turn your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament in chapter number 14. Isaiah in chapter number 14. And I want to show you probably the most familiar passage. There's more than one, of course, in the Bible that reference uh, our arch enemy, Lucifer, light bearer, Satan, uh, the old devil, uh, is mentioned more than a few times in the Bible. But here we have recorded in Isaiah chapter number 14, his fall. You see, uh, 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 Satan was once an archangel in heaven. Michael and Gabriel are mentioned as the other two. And uh, God is an organized God. He's not the author of confusion. He says, let all things be done decently and in order. And uh, sin always brings chaos, confusion, and disorder. But God is a God of order. And uh, he ordered uh, as such in heaven. He ordered heaven. And in his uh, ordering of his angels, he had three archangels. And then from there, I'm sure, uh, different positions, if you will, uh, among uh, the angelic host. But we find uh, 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 Lucifer mentioned in Isaiah 14 and verse number 12. The Bible says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I'll go where I want to go. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. He says, I'll go where I want to go and I'll do what I want to do. And then he says in verse 14, I will be like the most high. Let me tell you something. Listen, you're never more like our arch enemy Lucifer than you are when you say, I'll do what I want to do. I'll go where I want to go. I'll be what I want to be. Oh, now we package it better. We package it this way. Well, you know, I always wanted to be a fill in the blank. Can I tell you something? That is a worldly, humanistic philosophy. You have no right to do what you want to do, go where you want to go, be what you want to be. Know you not that you are bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your life is not your own. The scripture says we were bought with the blood of Christ. We belong to him. And I have no right to decide what I'm going to do with this body, this temple of the Holy Ghost, because it belongs to God. Amen. And as a Christian, he directs my life. He directs my path. He sets the course of my life. Satan said, I will do it my way. I'll do it my way. I will go where I want to go. I'll do what I want to do. I'll be what I want to be. I want to say several things this morning about this matter of overcometh. He that overcometh. Number one, evil is a powerful force. Evil is a powerful force. There's no doubt about it. If you go with me now to the book of Ezekiel, you're in Isaiah. Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. 
about 100 pages perhaps in your Bible. And you go to the, the prophet Ezekiel's writing in verse, uh, chapter number 28. We find old smutty face in this pa- passage of scripture. We find him typified in a, a king. There, this is a, a course uh, like much of the scripture. Much, much of the scripture is has immediate application and uh, a, a direct audience, but also uh, also uh, a direct message, but also a prophetic message or a historical message, as is the case here. And uh, and uh, and so we have. Um, uh, 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 Satan personified or Satan typified in an actual man that lived in this time in Ezekiel's day, the king or the prince of Tyrus. We find in chapter 28, the word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus. This is the message. Ezekiel, preach this message. Say unto the prince of Tyrus, thus saith the Lord God, because thine heart is lifted up. And thou hast said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God in the midst of the seas, yet thou art a man and not God, though thou set thine heart as God. So we find here that this man, the prince of Tyrus, who set his heart as the heart of God and who said, I am a God, I sit in the seat of God, we find him as a type of Satan. This is not unfamiliar historically. Uh, it didn't begin as such, but eventually the Roman empires claim, uh, emperors claimed deity and demanded worship. And uh, they believed themselves to be of God-like uh, stature. I witnessed to a Mormon uh, last Saturday at length, and a, a sweet, kind, elderly man that is blinded by a false religion. And they believe if you're a good Mormon, then you can graduate and eventually you become a god. And uh, these different levels of heaven and eventually you can become a God and you can be essentially what Christ is. Now, let me tell you something. That is satanic. That is satanic. And the Mormons, Joseph Smith, are not the first ones to think of this. Satan thought of it a long time ago. And the king of Tyrus thought of it. And the Roman emperors thought of it. And it's just as wicked today as ever it was before. Now look at, uh, if you would with me, look at verse number 11. And see if you can identify who we're talking about. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now wait a minute. King Tyrus lived in the days of Ezekiel. He certainly had not been in the Garden of Eden. But whomever is being typified by the king or the prince of Tyrus uh, was somebody who was in the Garden of Eden. I think probably you have it figured out here. Verse 13, Thou hast been in Eden, the Garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Angels are angelic beings. They're created beings. 
Verse 14, thou art the anointed cherub. Thou covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Verse 15, thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Look at verse 17. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. Elsewhere the Bible tells us that Lucifer, light bearer, the angel, the archangel that was cast out of heaven in Isaiah 14. Uh, is, he transforms himself into an angel of light. Notice according to our text in verse 12 that Satan had wisdom. Full of wisdom. He had beauty. Perfect in beauty. Uh, 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 he was uh, 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 prosperous. Every precious stone uh, was his covering. He was talented. Uh, the workmanship, verse 13, the end of verse 13, speaks of the tablets and of the pipes prepared in the, I believe, Lucifer is, is literally a musical instrument, just like your voice is an instrument of music. Uh, Satan has such a stronghold in the realm of music because he produced music and, and I, he knows music inside and out. And I think that's one of the reasons why there's such a stronghold of Satan. Godless music is. Uh, he had opportunity, verse 14, because he was uh, the anointed cherub. Listen to me, dear friend. Uh, uh, there is, uh, uh, evil is a powerful force. Satan uh, uh, was cast out heaven. Isaiah 14. He was perfect when he was created. He walked with God when he was created. He was beautiful. He was prosperous. He was talented. He had it all, so to speak. But his heart was lifted up in pride and rebellion against God. And he was cast out of heaven. And now the Bible said he's a prince of the power of the air. He's been cast down. He fell like lightning from heaven. Evil is a powerful force. Number two, evil is on the rise. Evil is on the rise. Now there's no new thing under the sun. And evil has always been present with us. But you and I are blessed to live in a nation with as much or more light of gospel light than just about any other place on the planet, if not the more than any other place on the planet. And according to the New Testament, Jesus said this. He said uh, to Capernaum and Bethsaida, those cities and towns where he walked and where he did his miracles and where he healed Peter's mother-in-law and on and on, the lame, the sick, the halt, raised the dead. He said, if, if, he said, if the works that were done here among you had been done in Tyre, in Sidon, in Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, uh, uh, they would have repented a long time ago. And he said, it will be greater punishment for you in the day of judgment than it will be for those wicked cities. Sodom and Gomorrah whom God destroyed with fire from heaven. Now what do we learn from that? We learn that God ultimately will judge us not by the level of depravity in our lives. God, listen to me carefully, will judge us by the amount of light we have rejected. In the world today, there are still very dark places where folks live by the sword and die by the sword, live by the spear and die by the spear. Margaret Stringer will be with us in two weeks and you ladies do not need to miss her testimony. 
She was lured by helicopter into the midst of a cannibal tribe and began to live among them and listen to their language and listen to their tones and, and, and learn those tones and those sounds and then created an alphabet uh, from those sounds. They had no written language and reduced, uh, 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 created an alphabet and then reduced those words uh, 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 to, to, to letters and she took those that alphabet and she translated the New Testament and brought the light of Jesus Christ uh, uh, there to to to, uh, to, uh, to to Papua New Guinea. Uh, she uh, to Indonesia. There she took the light of Christ to a darkened place. Now you listen to me. There are still some who live in such darkness. And will they be accountable before God? Yes, they will. Christ is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. John tells us the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork day to day utter speech and night into night showeth not. There's no speech nor language where their voice, the testimony of the heavens, is not heard. Their line goes out to the whole world. There's nobody that can't look to the stars of heaven and know that God, there is a God in heaven, there's a Creator. And as we respond to light, God gives us more light. Listen to me carefully. But those who live in those darkened places who will never hold a Bible like you and I hold, never hear a gospel message like you hear this morning, yes, they'll stand account before God, but they will not be dealt with as harshly as those who die from the pews of a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church in a free land where there is much gospel light. Yes, evil is a powerful force. And yes, We live in a place with much light, but evil here in this place of light is much on the rise. Evil is much on the rise. The philosophies of evil, moral relativism. You hear today, people talk about my truth and your truth. Let me tell you something, my my dear friend. Gravity... Is a truth. You say, well, where I come from, we don't believe in gravity. I wasn't raised that way. That's just the way you were raised to believe in gravity. Well, I don't believe in gravity. All right, you go ahead and help yourself. Get on top of the building and jump off. Let me tell you something. Truth crushed to earth will rise again. In every, in every generation, there has been those who fought against truth. But truth is more powerful than evil. Amen. And you can defy truth, and, and, and you can, you can uh, claim not to believe truth. But let me tell you something. Just like the little, like, like little rat that was chewing on an anvil. And he was just chewing, chewing, chewing on that anvil. Thought he was making progress when he saw this white powder kind of begin to fall down. He said, oh, I'm making progress until he felt the sting in his gum. Amen. He was chewing his own teeth off. You can fight against truth. You can kick against truth. You can try to gnaw at truth. But let me tell you something. Truth will break you. You won't break truth. Listen to me. Evil is a a powerful force and it is on the rise. Moral relativism says there are no absolutes. When somebody says that, it's so ridiculous. I want to say, do you absolutely believe in no absolutes? Let me tell you something. There is absolute evil and good in this world. The family unit, the rise, uh, as a rise of evil attacks on the family unit. The family unit. Marriage is down dramatically in our nation. And can I say this? It is still... Honorable to make, if you plan to live as husband and wife, it is still honorable to make that commitment one to another. Amen, Pastor. Yes. I'm not condemning anyone. 
I, but I am saying the Bible plan is such that, that a, a lifelong commitment, uh, marriage is worthy of a lifelong commitment, and the union of a man and woman, <coughs> excuse me, is a, is worthy of a lifelong commitment, and that is God's plan, and that's a biblical plan. Let me tell you something, my dear friend, the world must, I don't matter. Try it out a while. See if it works out. That's a hellish philosophy. Evil is on the rise. The result of this has been that 50% of all marriages end in divorce. 60% of second uh, second marriages end in divorce. And 70% of third and up marriages end in divorce. And the only reason it's not higher is because a lot of people don't even get married in the first place. It's quiet this morning. I don't know why it's so quiet. Y'all say amen. Amen. Amen or owe me one of the two. Church attendance is down dramatically in our nation. Drugs and alcohol are on the rise. The leading cause of death in the United States is tobacco. Of preventable deaths is tobacco. The leading cause of preventable death in the United States of America is tobacco. The third leading cause is alcohol. The second leading cause is poor diet and lack of exercise. Devilish things such as abortion is on the rise in America. Infanticide. Who would have thought that a governor, it was about two years ago now, I guess, maybe a little more than that, Governor Northam, right up here in Virginia, our northern neighbor, got on the radio and discussing a bill that had been put forth that would allow abortions all the way up to even a mother who is going into labor. And on the radio they asked, they said, well, what would, you, what, what, what would happen if, 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 uh, if they tried to do an abortion on a lady's liver and they tried to do an abortion and, 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 it doesn't, and, and it's not successful and the baby survives? He said, well, what we would do is we would, and you can look this up. He said, we'd uh, resuscitate, the baby wouldn't breathe, we'd resuscitate, the baby was alive and not breathing, we'd resuscitate the baby. And then the family... We have a discussion with the doctor about what to do next. Here's a baby, a living baby, and you're going to have a discussion about what to do? Let me tell you something that's evil. That is absolute evil. Evil is on the rise. The collective. Collectivism that is being shoved down our throats at just about every turn is evil. Do you know that after just a few short days, the current administration passed an executive order saying that in order to save our planet, and many nations around the world have signed on to it, in order to save our planet, that governments need to own 30% by 3030 by, 20, by 2030, that's seven years from now, need to own 30% of the land and the oceans. First of all, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. They openly and brazenly attack personal property rights and ownership. You say, what's the big deal about that? It is a biblical principle. In, 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 the, in the Old Testament, in Leviticus 25... 
23, God said, uh, verse 28 rather, The land shall not be sold forever. Leviticus 25, 17. Ye shall not therefore oppress one another. Leviticus 25, 10. Ye shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty, and ye shall return every man unto his possession. Listen to me very carefully. When God set up the nation of Israel, As a theocracy, he he laid some principles down that are still good principles for us. The Sabbath principle, which goes back before the nation of Israel, which is a day of rest. You need a day of rest. Amen? You need a day of rest. And and so uh, that principle was laid down. Then for his people, he laid down a weekly Sabbath uh, and as a nation, a weekly Sabbath, a seven-year Sabbath, and then a 50th-year Sabbath. The uh, uh, seven-year Sabbath was a, a, a agricultural Sabbath where the land rested. You can, you can burn your land up and, 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 and where it won't produce if you use it year after year after year and it's not, it doesn't have time to rest and replenish. And so in that seventh year, God said, you don't plan anything. He said, you trust me and I'm going to take care of you. And God faithfully, as his people observed those Sabbaths, gave such a great harvest on sixth year that there was enough in store for the whole sixth year and enough for the seventh year. Uh, That was miraculous. God did that. And by the way, that principle still applies to you and I. Amen. You give God your best. You give God your Sunday, for example. And we ought to worship God every day of the week. But you set aside time for the Lord and you set aside him in your budget and your finances and your time and your talents and God will take what you have left over and he'll make it go further than it ever would have gone. But then he said on the 50th year called a year of Jubilee, you can read about it in the book of Leviticus, on the year of Jubilee, all land went back to its original family ownership. You Essentially, under God's laws, you could not purchase land from another family. You could lease it. We would call it lease. The word lease is not used in the Bible. But you could purchase it and the price was set by however many years there was until another year of Jubilee. So if you bought one uh, 49 years before the year of Jubilee, obviously it would be more expensive. If you bought it five years before the Jubilee, you could have access to it for five years. Essentially what you and I would call lease. And God said on the 50th year, on the 50th year, All land goes back to its original ownership. By the way, those who have been forced into servitude, the sabbatical years were also a time a person could be, could go to debtor's prison. You would call it, we would call it slavery. But it wasn't uh, taking somebody involuntarily enslaved, but if someone was in service, like you making a contract with your employer. But if a person uh, uh, couldn't pay their debts, then they could be forced to repay the debt with their time and with their effort. But on those sabbatical years, no matter what size of a debt it was, on the sabbatical year, all the debts were gone. And those, uh, 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 if you were in service to someone else, you went back home to your land and you worked your own land. And, and, and this is God's, this is God's plan. Now listen to me. The devil's plan is to consolidate. The devil's plan is globalism. The devil's plan is for a handful of people to control power and land and food and everything else. And if you're paying the least bit of attention, you see it everywhere around us. But I got news for you. God, um, our God in heaven laid down some principles. And whether you look at what's happening with our little children and being brainwashed, that somehow you can be something other than you were born are being brainwashed that nothing exploded and became everything and, and, and you're, uh, you're an animal and you uh, you just happen to survive. You're an amoeba. You're an advanced amoeba. I, I'm talking about the lies. Listen to me. Evil is on the rise. Number three. But good is more powerful than evil. Hey. 
Good is more powerful than evil. Good is a more powerful force than evil. God is more powerful than Satan. The angels are more powerful than the demons. He said, ah, by sheer numbers. Lucifer was, the, was an archangel among three, Gabriel and Michael being the other two. And Isaiah 14 and elsewhere we learn that uh, uh, one third of those angels left when Satan got kicked out of heaven. As we read in Isaiah 14, when he got kicked out of heaven, he took all those under his uh, leadership. He deceived them and they left with him. They, they thought he was going to get his own throne. They thought he was going to be his own God and they were going to follow him. Well, they found out differently. But let me tell you something. You, you, listen, before you get too spooked, yes, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Yes, Satan is powerful and his little demon imps are powerful. And some of you had some run-ins with him. I understand that. But there's twice as many angels as there are demons. Amen. Yes, and good is more powerful than evil. Kindness is more powerful than unkindness. Love is more powerful than hate. I love the little story. You go out here in the hallway and you'll see some of the men that have, been, that have mentored me. And my dad's portrait is out there. Carl Hatch's portrait is out there. One of the most bold soldiers ever knew in my entire life. And he was a drunkard, living literally dr- drunkard on the street at 15 and 16 years of age. And and he lived in Detroit, moved into, uh, uh, went to work for uh, General Motors in Detroit, moved in next door. He didn't know it, but moved in next door to a Baptist preacher. And this man, who was a, literally a drunkard, moved in, the, uh, uh, and the preacher came over that first day and said, Hey, I, I'm uh, next door, and he introduced himself and he said, Won't you know, uh, God, uh, God loves you, we love you. He said, Blake, like you, get off my porch, don't ever speak to me again. They went across the street, across the driveway. He went to work the next day, came pulling in after work. And pastor made him outside. Hey, Carl! I love you, buddy. Glad to have you as my neighbor. Blankety blank! I told you never to speak to me! He got up next morning, went to work, came home from work. Pastor's there next door. Hey, Carl! God bless your neighbor. I love you, buddy. I'm praying for you. Day after day after day, month after month after month. Holy Ghost conviction fell on Carl Hatch and he and his dear wife Ruby got saved. Amen. Why? Because love is more powerful than hate. That's why. Forgiveness is more powerful than bitterness and mercy is more powerful than judgment and harmony is more powerful than discord and stillness is more powerful than an uproar. We see uproars on the rise being fueled by lies and by hatred. Our cities being burned and and, and lawlessness. Let, Let me tell you something. Stillness, calm, quiet, meekness, reserve, is more powerful than... Look at Stephen as he's being stoned to death. Who's the idiot? Those evil men throwing the stones, pelting his body, while he's there with his face, the Bible said, like an angel. The Bible tells us that Jesus is seated, seated at the right hand of God the Father, but as Stephen was leaving this world, the Bible said, he said, I see the Son of God, standing. I think Jesus stood to receive old Stephen into heaven. And his meekness, even in that horrific situation, mad men murdering him, and yet his face was like that of an angel. Compassion is more more powerful than a hard heart. Humility is more powerful than pride. Patience is more powerful than impatience. Joy is more powerful than sorrow. Happiness is more powerful than sadness. It has been years now, and you've heard this, I know, but 
but I was in an emergency call to ICU unit, and there was a mother there, and she was dying, and she had a little nine-year-old daughter that rode our Sunday school buses. She said, Pastor, please, please, we all continue to love my daughter. They say, I'm not going to make it. I said, absolutely, we will. She said, the worker at school, she said, the, 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 the counselor at school told me something. I said, what's that? She said, the, the counselor asked my, my daughter, said, sweetheart, she, she's, not, she's, not a very, she's not a happy child. And the, the weight of the world on her shoulders, of course, and she said, sweetheart, are you, are you ever happy? And that little nine-year-old girl said to the counselor, she said, I'm happy when I'm at church. Amen. Amen. I'm happy when I'm at church. By the way, I'm happy when I'm at church too. Amen. 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 He said, you don't look like a pastor. Sometimes you look like you're mad. And uh, I'm happy. And happiness is more powerful than sadness. And gentleness is more powerful than harshness. I was listening to, I've heard him tell it many times. I was listening to one of Brother House sermons from years and years ago. And tells a sweet little story about he was traveling and stopped at a little place to get breakfast and just a little small breakfast years ago, three or four dollars for the meal, egg and a piece of toast or something else, and maybe. But anyway, just a little, little light breakfast. And, uh, and the waitress came up and said, uh, 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 You ready to order? He said, Yes, ma'am. She said, You want water? Yes, ma'am. You want coffee? Yes, ma'am. And. Uh, and he kept asking, she asked questions, yes ma'am, ask questions, yes ma'am, ask questions. And finally she put her hands on her hips. she goes, is that all you could say? Yes ma'am. He said, no ma'am. <laughs> she went back and got his little breakfast and brought it back and literally tossed it, or, boom, literally tossed it onto the table and huffed and puffed off. And he ate his breakfast and left a tip. And he was going out the door and starting to turn down the sidewalk and the waitress came out and said, Sir, sir, you left this on the table. And it was a $5 bill. Three or $4 breakfast. And he had left a $5 bill years ago. She said, Sir, you left this on the table. He said, Don't people tip around here? And she stood at it and looked at him and she began to cry. She said, Sir, I've been so unkind to you this morning. Why are you being kind to me? And he said, I don't think you're a bad person. I think you've got a heavy heart though. And who am I to add to your grief? I just want to be a, an encouragement to you. And she began to pour her heart out to, to the pastor, how that her husband had left her, left her with small children. She was trying to rear those children by herself, barely making ends meet, and she's just warm, frazzled. And he said, ma'am, could I share with you the best news in the whole world? And she stood on the sidewalk, and pastor sweetly led her to Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something, my dear friend? Gentleness and kindness is much greater than harshness and unkindness. I said, number one, evil is a powerful force. Number two, evil is on the rise. Number three, good is more powerful than evil. And number four, unopposed evil will overcome good. Unopposed evil will overcome good. Now, good is more powerful. But when good does not put up an opposition, when good does not put up a fight, then evil will overrun the land. Listen, this world is changing all the time. I said evil's on the rise. This this world is changing all the time. It's drifting further and further and further from God. Many years ago, right, we got married. I had a, a 
fellow student in, in Bible college, and his family, that was a doctor, and they had a home on Lake Michigan, and, uh, and there was a private access out to the lake there. And so we'd park in the neighborhood near his house and, and use that access to get out there. And we went to, down to the, wherever we went. Uh, I don't remember, it wasn't, wasn't Walmart back then. But anyway, probably Kmart or Roses or something. And we bought us one of these uh, uh, rafts, like a six-foot raft, you know, with a little plastic uh, uh, paddles and blew that thing up. And uh, it took me about 30 minutes to blow it up there and sitting there by the lake. You know, anyway, we got in that thing and we paddled out there and uh, just the two of us and, and, uh, and, uh, uh, and we took an afternoon and uh, we were tired, we were tired and uh, we fell asleep, both of us. When we woke up, we didn't recognize where we were. We had drifted. We were sunburnt and lost. <laughs> and we had, to, we had to get to the shore and walk. I don't know how far it was. It, probably, it was probably 500 yards. But it seemed like a half mile or more. I don't know how long it was. But we had to walk back where we were. Can I tell you something? Listen, if you're not paying attention, dear friend, you're going to drift. Nobody is static in their Christian life. This morning, everybody in this room that's saved is either going forward for Christ or drifting backwards. Why? As Christian, we're swimming upstream. <laughs> the current of this world is against us. I, I, that's why we sing, I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Listen, if you're not moving forward, if you're not advancing good, then evil will overcome us. Listen, hey, hey, somebody has to resist. The Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I'm so glad that Satan is a defeated foe. I know his day is coming. And the Bible said he knows how, he has a short time. And I think he's madder than ever because he has a short time. And he'll, he'll, he'll be a thorn in your side and he'll uh, stand against you. And he'll lie to you and he'll deceive you. But greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. And good is a more powerful force than evil. Don't let evil go unopposed. Rise up, men of God. Rise up, women of God. Put up a fight. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let me ask you a question. Are you giving the devil what for? I hope you are. I hope you are. I opened my New Testament up this morning. And I read Miss Teresa Martin's name. It's been two years, just a, couple, just a handful of days ago. Just a few days ago. That she went to be with the Lord. In the New Testament is the day of her salvation, November the 10th, 2019. Graduated to heaven. September the 20th, 2021. It's a little under two years. Jenna and Emma's grandfather, James McNeil, is there. He was born again on December the 3rd of 2020. And just, just about a month and a week, about five weeks, almost to the day, January the 11th, 2021, he graduated to glory. Paul Wood, Damien's great uncle, was saved on September the 24th of 2022. And four days later, he graduated to heaven. I was 
taking some trash or something over here. I was at my office and I took some over here to throw in the dumpster. And I was in my vehicle. And a young man in his late 20s was, was, was walking, had a knapsack on his back and was walking down. It was on Beasley Street. It was turned to go down um, uh, this side of the street here by the, by, the, by the Hope Building, by the white building over here. And uh, I was ready to go, and, I, I was, and the Holy Spirit said, speak to him. And he's walking, and he's walking by me. And the Holy Spirit said, speak to him. And I had a brief argument with the Holy Spirit, and he kept saying the same thing. And so I rolled my window down and said, hey, man. And I, I, I needed to go. I didn't want to take long. I didn't get out. I just thought, well, okay. Hey, man. I said, can I give you something? I grabbed the track and held it out the window. He turned around, walked over, got the track. I introduced myself. He introduced himself, Ryan Larson, his late, late 20s. Marine, a Marine. And uh, he had some buddies that lived just a block or so away from the church here. They had come to live with, gotten out of the Marines, had a couple buddies here. And Ryan, I didn't even get out of the vehicle. Ryan stood by my window on November the 14th, 2022. He had grown up Roman Catholic, grew up in California, grew up Roman Catholic, never heard the gospel before. And he very gladly received Christ as his Savior. I went by several times to try to connect, reconnect with Ryan, and I could never find him at home. Finally, one day, a gentleman came to the door. I said, I'm looking for Ryan. He said, I know who you are. He said, Ryan told me about you. He told me about what happened. I said, well, wonderful. That's great. I said, I'm just sweet. It's so open, and this man was a Christian, and and I said, well, I would like to talk to him. He said, I'm sorry, you can't talk to him. I said, okay. He said, Ryan died of a heart attack in January. About six weeks after, Ryan Larson got saved. I'm talking about a man, a healthy, as far as I knew, healthy young man, went into heaven. I got a call, Ed Brooks and his family, many of his family have been saved in our church over the years. And he was very sick and I went to his home. One of his family members there that was a, was a Christian. And Ed uh, listened to me this time. And on November the 19th, 2022, he prayed to receive Christ as his Savior with a family kneeling beside him, family member kneeling beside him, rejoicing with him. Twelve days later, he went off into eternity. I was over off of uh, Cox Street and a little, I think it's not Center Street. I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the street. Might be Center Street. But anyway, off of uh, Cox, just about a block off of Cox. And I'd gone to see a man that was out of church and to try to get him back in. And I knocked on his door, wasn't there, left him a little note. And... Uh, I went, got back in my car, and there's a little lady that walked to the little mailbox there, little, uh, little uh, mailboxes out in front of the apartment building there, and the Holy Spirit said, why don't you speak to her? And by this time, she had gotten her mail and turned it and walked away, and I did that little argument with the Holy Spirit. You'd think you'd learn. But anyway, I thought, oh, I'm headed somewhere else. And he said, why don't you go? Why don't you go? She went around the corner. I didn't know where she went. I didn't know exactly what apartment she went to, but she disappeared 
around the corner. And so I got out of my vehicle, walked around, and, and went into the little courtyard area. There's four apartments on the bottom, four upstairs. And she was sitting on a chair outside of her door. And Miss Polly was there, and I walked up to her. She had a little like, who are you? What are you, what are you doing walking up to me? And I said, I'm fast shook. I had a small talk with her a little bit. And she was a little, little, uh, a little hesitant, a little, uh, I don't know, suspicious is the right word, but she was a little hesitant to engage. But I continued to talk to her and just try to befriend her and listen. And, and then I asked her about her soul. And Miss Polly Street, on June the 3rd, 2021, after about 30 minutes, she bowed her head and received Christ as her personal Savior. One of our men had been to our church several times, but he had a, a, a actually the man that was a man that was had been in our church had a brother that was shot and killed in Greensboro. His brother had been to our service several times, and I talked to his brother about his soul. Their father had gotten saved in his eighties. Father lived in a nursing home, and excuse me, in a, uh, down here and uh, on Academy Street, uh, the, the high rise building there on Academy Street, and some a soul winner had attended our church and won him to Christ. He's Catholic all of his life and he got saved. He got so excited about the things of the Lord. He changed. His boys couldn't believe how much their dad had changed. And I, uh, I, got, I, got, I got word that, that the older of those two brothers had been shot and killed in a robbery. And I was looking up the obituary for that man that had been killed. And as I was going through, I saw a face, a picture on the website of the of the of the funeral home and I saw a picture I said that, that, that looks familiar and I scrolled back up and I looked at it and I read the name Polly Street and I read her obituary Polly had received Christ on June the third at seventy years of age and died the next month July the twenty fifth you say, Pastor, why do we run all those buses? Why do we have these campaigns? Why do we have special days, big days? Why do you have this track campaign? Why do, why do we have Super Saturday sewing? And let's see if we can get 100 sewers on. Why do we load up buses and vans of teenagers who go knock on doors? I'll tell you why. Because last year, a lady named Miss Christina came to our church with sewers, knocked on her door, and she came to our church. And she received Christ as her Savior. She got baptized. And two months later, nobody even knew she was sick. Her own family didn't know she was sick. And two months later, I stood at her graveside and got to say a word for the Lord. She's in heaven. Can I tell you something, my dear friend? Listen to me. Listen to me. I, I'm against the, the stupid uh, the, the, the gender garbage that's being forced down the, the, the throats of our kids. I'm against the abortion crowd. I'm against the drugs and the alcohol and the tobacco that's destroying people's lives. I'm against the, 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 the Marxist, communist philosophies that are being shoved at us night and day by the, by, by the news media in mass, the collectivism, the anti-biblical philosophies and so forth. Let me tell you something. I'm against every bit of that. But I've got news for you, my friend. The best thing that we can do to overcome that evil that rises up all around us. The best thing we can do is be faithful to those things that are eternal. Be in Sunday school and Sunday morning Sunday night church and be in our place and get a pocket full of gospel tracts and go out and tell someone about Jesus Christ and run those Sunday school buses and teach those Sunday school classes and do all we can to bring little children to the foot of Calvary and introduce them to someone who can save their eternal soul. 
We have watched, listen, we have watched little children come to know Christ as their Savior. And when they get saved and they grow in the Lord and get grounded, you don't have to, you don't have to talk to them about worldview. They got a new worldview. Amen. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Amen. I watched this last week. Just one of the girls sitting in this room right now with us. Just newly saved within the last year or so. And she's been going with her soul with her on Saturday. I want to go. Handful of tracks. She'll run to the next building. Her and her friend and, and invite others. And I watched her last Sunday invitation. Go back and get her friend and say, You're saved. You need to be baptized. Brought her down the aisle. Amen. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Hey, you're not going to talk that girl into an abortion. You're not going to tell that girl that she's a boy. She knows who she is in Christ. Amen. And I'm telling listen, this is what we need to do more than we ever have before. I, I'm against all that stuff. And, and, and whatever I can do to, to, to advance uh, any cause that withstands that, I'm, I'm for that. But let me tell you something. Our mission as God's people ought to be the Great Commission and go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You ought to do everything you can to bring, to be here and be faithful here and not just come and be a spectator, but find a coworker, find a neighbor, find a family member, find a friend and, and bring them to Christ. Christ, that young man right there on the front row. Listen, God saved his brother last Sunday night. God saved his brother. Why? Because he came to Christ and he's trying to live for the Lord and he's trying to be faithful. And a family member got saved and another friend in the family yesterday received Christ. Hey, listen, good is more powerful than evil. Let's advance the good. Yes, evil is on the rise and it's going to continue to be on the rise because the Bible says that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. It ain't getting better, it's getting worse till Jesus comes back, good friend. I tell you what we can do, we can advance the cause of Jesus Christ. We can bring souls to Christ. I'm to Bailey's Grove Baptist Church. This is a Sunday morning before our program starts next Sunday. 28th anniversary together on October the 1st next Sunday morning. I'm challenging you to get in a Sunday school class. Be there all five weeks and learn the Word of God. And get some boldness and get some Bible knowledge. And I'm challenging you to go back into your workplace this week with a pocket full of gospel tracts and a gospel witness. I'm challenging you to talk to your family members and your friends and your neighbors and your co-workers. And let's do all we can with God's help and power to advance good against this awful evil in our land. Would you bow your heads? Your heads are bowed, eyes are closed.